Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Q&A Quest, the one where I don't forget the episode number. You're sure? Mildly sure. Well, I guess that's about as sure as you're going to get. <laughs> I am Mike Apps, aka Wheels, your host, and with me, uh, the number one tank engine on Sodor. What the? What? <laughs> I, I have been watching way too much Thomas and Friends. Yeah, yeah, no, this is the, that's the, like, the dad disease. <laughs> Uh, but hey, go go Thomas. Yeah, chunting trucks and hauling freight, you know. Okay, we we need to stop this before okay, you continue okay. to do this forever. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Welcome. We have uh, lots and lots of fun questions this episode. Um, before we get started, I'm just going to mention that our next episode will be our end of the year spectacular where we will talk about the best and worst games of the year, so we encourage you to send in your lists of best and worst of the year. And you can throw in non-RPGs as well, because we don't mind talking yeah. about those. Uh, worst know, of the year is all-inclusive. Yes, so, you know, like, best first-person shooter of the year, <clears throat> Destiny. Um, you know, stuff like that. I thought that was an RPG. <laughs> that is... That is a good point. It's kind of both. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so why don't we just go into uh, one of our first questions. Yeah, why not? Um, Should have thought about this before we started. Yes, I uh, always kind of just jump into recording without, without usually thinking, hey, which one of these questions are we actually You're usually first? just really happy that recording is working. It's true, it's true. Alright, well, you... Read off this long one you picked out. Okay, I pulled this up from the uh, forums today. Uh, have you ever wondered how profitable some of these games are, uh, and how many of them aren't? For instance, Tales games being continually localized seems to say that they have figured out the sweet spot as far as spending versus sales. With Legend of Legacy peaking a lot of niche interest on the site, I wonder if it will work for them. Steam releases seem like a way to boost profit, but many companies don't go that direction. Do you think it's a missed opportunity, or do they know more than me? Steam releases seem to save some games like Trails in the Sky. That's from Budai. And later he had attended... Uh, just seems like Steam offers more impulse buying, where a lot of niche RPGs are usually purchased at a GameStop or Amazon. GameStop in particular seems to really limit the availability of some of these titles to only those who are looking for it. Uh, a lot that's, to that's take a couple, in. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of questions in there. Yeah, I, I suppose to start with, I would say that, you know, these companies budget for some of these games not to make back their money. Like, otherwise, a single failure would, of course, sink any company. But, uh, like, in terms of how badly I think any given niche RPG fails, I can't imagine, like, like companies that actually take that up as their raison d'etre get really good at estimate, at figuring out the amount of money they can put into something without it destroying them. Yeah. It's, it's like those companies in Japan that make, like, uh, stuff for a very specific audience, although slightly less horrifying. Well, like, like even the so anime DVDs in Japan, a best-selling anime DVD sells about seventeen thousand units. <laughs> like, like they're ridiculously expensive, of course, and that's a different part of the economics behind that. But the idea is that like 
they have a very uh, distinct idea of how much something needs to sell, and uh, in order for it to, uh, you know, become profitable, and that's why a lot of these things also just have tiny print runs, is because yeah. like you don't want to have more money tied into it, especially now because it's not an either or proposition of it's at GameStop or it's uh, nowhere, because like now they have digital distribution. Which which dovetails into the other half of this question, which is like, is is not putting these on Steam leaving money on the table? Uh, some of them maybe, but like, porting to PC is not a negligible cost, regardless of what you're porting from. Yeah, and a lot of, in a lot of cases, you're talking about like uh, perhaps games that are on 3DS, which don't necessarily port to steam quite clearly the the 3ds is using an arm derived processor so theoretically it might port to a phone easier maybe uh but there's like even that is just a broad oversimplification it's just like the the point is these aren't even remotely the same idea so you basically just have to rebuild the thing yeah and And that that in and of itself is already like a huge investment yeah but in, in a lot of cases, you're also talking about like things you licensed from another developer and didn't actually develop at all, or just yeah. I mean, there's know, if you like look that. at the like there was an article I think it was on Kotaku a while ago that was about the translation process of Trails in the Sky second chapter, and it briefly touches on the fact that like essentially Xseed had to pitch the idea of doing a, a Steam version of first chapter as, like, a last-ditch attempt to make first chapter profitable. And it was, like, they, they weren't really that interested. Like, Nihon Falcom is a company that has a lot of history with PCs in Japan. People don't really buy games on PC in Japan that aren't pornography. <laughs> Which is another thing that has a very specific idea of, like, a best-selling, like, visual novel is going to sell, like, 50,000 units tops. And it's just like, you know, they're, they're very specifically, you know, like, this is how much we need to sell in order for this to have not uh, been a bad investment. But, like, you know, Falcom sort of seems to have left that market to fall by the wayside a lot in Japan because they're just really, like, PCs are kind of big and bulky, which doesn't fit with the very sort of cramped nature of cities in Japan. Yeah. Uh and they've, like, they've really found a home on Sony's portables since the yeah, success like, of Trails on there, on a PSP. Yeah. And, and also, in, in some sense, transitioning into cross-platform console and handhelds. Right. But uh, neither of which is similar to a PC in architecture. But uh, it's, it's just a thing of, like, the home base has a hard, difficult time justifying the concept of porting to... Uh, porting to PC, so unless there's a good reason for them to do it, like the, unless the publisher can make a really good case for it would be better for all of us if there's a PC version of this, it doesn't really happen. Which is why you'll see it happen with, say, big companies like Namco Bandai or Square Enix. Yeah. But smaller companies, just it's not in the profile. Except for Idea Factory. Because you know, I hey, even know how that happened. Well, you know, their code is generally terrible anyway, so just throw it up anywhere. I, I, I guess. I would be surprised if it's also just like 
they're actually listening to like Nice America or Idea Factory America now, I guess. Yeah, Idea Factory International. International, that's it. Yeah. But like the the idea is that like it depends upon how much they're willing to how much slack they're willing to cut their uh their international business because there's not much of a PC market in Japan. Yeah. So I mean really in a lot of these cases I'm sure there's interest. It's just yeah, it's just a matter of how how it could happen. Yeah. Um, and I guess as as a last note, the idea that like you know, Steam's good for, like, impulse buying. It kind of is, and it kind of isn't. Because it's like, you wander through a store, and, like, even if you know what you're looking for, you still have to find where that store put it. Yeah. And that's that's still true online with, like, digital storefronts. But you have a search bar. And trying to find things through anything but the search bar is basically impossible for most <laughs> digital storefronts, and that includes Steam. The, like, discoverability is a big problem with digital storefronts, and I don't think I've seen any digital storefront that really does a good job of fixing it. Like, I don't browse digital storefronts because, like, they're just... Like, they're weirdly laid out, which I guess the idea is to force me to look at things that I would not otherwise have looked at. But, like... I guess the advantage of retail scarcity is the idea that they... they they empty out like something has to eventually leave that storefront right but nothing leaves a digital storefront unless someone's license died <laughs> yeah. so like there's, you run into the so there's a lot of garbage <laughs> yeah and like it just it just the problem compounds upon itself you can't like fix this like these older things are still there and they're never going to go away uh and it it creates this sort of issue where it's like well I can't find what I'm looking for unless I'm very specific about what I'm looking for. So discoverability, like, you know, try find... Like, when you're looking for a new phone game or something, like, your very few people's first instinct is to go look down the list of new games released on, say, the iOS App Store. Because it's just... You're going to get, like... For every thing that was made by a budget from someone you've heard of, you're going to get 50 poke the baby. <laughs> and it's just like, and, and Steam has that too. Like, lest you think it's, it's just an App Store thing. Like, if you've ever even pawed through, like, Steam Greenlight, which is supposed to kind of fix this and kind of doesn't do that at all, like, you get just nonsense like... Oh, here's the latest zombie Minecraft clone with important moral choices and 2D retro graphics. <laughs> like, oh, oh, also in roguelike elements. Yes. You know, whatever yes. whatever buzzwords have attracted people to vote for things on Greenlight in the past are what they're going to sort of play yes. to. If you search for uh, games with roguelike elements in Steam, uh, your computer oh, will explode from an overload of data. Yeah, it's just like how many pages? Ever not seven hundred? It's it's just like you know that that problem. Like I'm not certain it's solvable even, but like it's certainly not going away. It's like no one wants to really curate a giant digital storefront, yeah, and so no one really does. <laughs> the most that they'll do is they'll put certain things on the front page. 
And that front page will probably at least partially be determined by browsing statistics from you as well as other people that have similar data. And a lot of it is just who paid to be on the front page. Yep. That is certainly the case for several of the consoles. Uh, I don't know how Steam's metrics work in terms of what puts things on the front page because it's too busy trying to ask me for my phone. Um, but yeah, like, Valve's not a curator. They're not, like, the things that sell on Steam... Like, I guess the other thing, and this is the final point, is that the impulse purchases that happen on Steam almost always happen at bargain basement prices. Yep. So, like... If you sold Legend of, you can sell Legend of Legacy on 3DS for forty dollars, and people don't bet. Nah. If you uh, sell it on Steam, you're going to get some people that are like, "Oh, that looks neat. I'll pick it up when it's on sale, and it's like ten bucks." Six months from now. Yeah. Like, there's there's no such thing as a sense of urgency about like, "Oh, I need to pick that up now that it's on Steam." Like, even I do this. I'm not going to pretend that I don't do this. Like. I feel like I should spend $30 on Tales in the Sky second chapter. I want to. I don't have the cash to, but I'd like to. But at the same time, I know that realistically, six months from now, it'll be 10 bucks, and I'll grab it then. And, like, that'll be good because the economics of scale make up for it. But at the same time, it's, like, part of the reason that they don't prioritize PC first is that people don't pay full price for PC games. <laughs> And also still pirate a lot. Yeah, like, I'm not even going to bring up piracy. I'm like, even in the realm of legitimate things, people have been trained not to pay full price for play for personal computer games. Yep. So I think the generally the ideal solution is to get your game out on everything. On all fronts. That's a, that's a nice ideal. And that, yes. like, hopefully one day we will live in the golden future. But until then, they're going to prioritize platforms that they that have a very known economy behind them. Yeah. And that's why generally games are going to be prioritized on consoles over PCs. For the most yep. part. Yeah, aside from things that are natively PC franchises yeah, or like don't... Generally things that don't work well on controllers. MMOs, primarily. MMOs, uh, strategy games like XCOM. Yep. Certain first-person shooters. Well, yeah, even then, those yeah. Sell, like, there's still no PC version of Destiny. Yep. And even uh, uh, even Blizzard is going console. Uh, um, Overwatch is launching yep. simultaneously on console exactly. and PC. And actually, um, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I'm gonna buy, that on PS4. Screw PC. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel like there there is a sense of, like, galvanization of, like, why would I want a console? And it's like, eh, that's, that's a different question. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on. All right. Never overlook a little engine. Little ones are really useful, too. We got trucks to pull, so make an extra bull. I've never known a job that I couldn't do. With a bit of help from me, maybe. Never overlook a little engine. We could take you where you want to go. Alright, so our next question is one from Budai. And it is, if someone came to you and said, I've never played an RPG, but I want to, and they asked you for advice on which game they should try, what would you say? 
Hmm. I think is an interesting question. Yeah, I guess it it depends upon how much they play other games and what kinds of games they like to play. Yeah, because I'm thinking if you know somebody that likes first-person shooters, you'd probably want to say maybe give Borderlands or Destiny. Borderlands, Destiny, Destiny like those. Yeah, so. you know, ease in via something you already like. Exactly. So like, oh well, I like action games. How about Dark Souls or Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I like Mario. Well, there's... or I just don't play many games at all. How yeah. about Mario RPGs? Those yeah. are good for those. Paper Mario, especially Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, like you know, there's there's a million good answers to this questions and question, and there's also one really bad answer, and it's called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Even though I love it. <laughs> yeah, that that's bad. I love Mystic Quest with all of my heart, and it's a wonderful game, but it also thinks you're five. It's just fine when I was five. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of the problem with making an RPG specifically, like for beginners of RPGs. Yeah, it's the difference between assuming your audience can't possibly understand the arcane concepts you brought before them, and assuming that your audience just isn't familiar with them. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would definitely not recommend anything like that. Just, you know, you know, like we just said, something that's similar to games they already like, and you can ease them in that way. Like, if they, like, enjoy strategy games, maybe play lots of Civilization, then maybe they'd like something like a Final Fantasy Tactics, something like that. Yeah. Um, like, at this point, RPG has crossed over with every other genre and plenty that it shouldn't have. So there is always some, like... There's something yeah. that is already in a genre you're comfortable with that is also an RPG. I like puzzle games, Puzzle Quest. There's like 50 of them. I yeah. like racing games. Don't play Racing Lagoon, but that exists. <laughs> Wait, was it Racing Lagoon that was the driving RPG Square made? I think it is. I think so. It's not driving a motion type S. That was just a bad racing game that Square made. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the oh man, this was pocket station compatible. Why did this happen? Uh, oh, if someone likes sandbox type games, you know, throw them at Fallout. Fallout, the uh, Elder Scrolls, like yep. they're probably already risky and those at this point. So. Oh, you like stealth games? Deus Ex. Oh, so good. Or Alpha Protocol. Also good if you like first-person shooters. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, just. There is there is a RPG for everyone. There's platformer RPGs. Go play Valkyrie Profile. <laughs> oh, you like action games? Play some East. Please play some East. Bye East. Ask me about East. <laughs> Please ask me about East. Give me an excuse to talk about it. <laughs> ask me about Boom. <laughs> uh, you like Star Wars? Play Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah, we can also we can also move into like, oh, this thing that you already like. Like yeah. even if it's not even a video game. <laughs> I'm really into Bejeweled. Puzzle Quest. <laughs> oh, you said that one already and it you, still amuses me. You really like Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, you know what? Just Don't play, play that. No, I was uh, I was going to say play Mario RPG. Yeah, yeah, don't play Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood. No. If you want to see a game that was pushed out uh, about nine months before it was done, that's, that's a good choice. 
if you like uh, inhumane torture, play Mugen Souls. Uh, don't don't do this. Man. <laughs> um, if you like Sega Hard Girls, wait, no. <laughs> We're just going to degenerate into personal pet peeves at this point. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, wait, didn't you already play RPGs? There's like 50 Dungeons and Dragons for every rule set except the one that feels like a video game. <laughs> I don't quite understand how that managed to happen. I thought they made one with that rule set. There's no 4E video game. Really? I thought... There's no 4E video game. I could have sworn they did one, like, uh... Temple of Elemental Evil or something. No, that's three and a half E. Uh, really? Well, then I got nothing. That's bizarre. Uh, uh, yeah, I need to double check this, because it feels like there should be. Yeah, seriously? How did that not happen? It was like... It was the foregone conclusion. Oh, they made D&D more video game friendly, and they, there just isn't one. <laughs> Like, Sword Coast Legends sounds like it would be a D&D game. I don't think it is. It may be. I don't think it is, though. Like, they're, they're making... Okay, Sword Coast Legends. What D&D is this based off of? Five, maybe. Games that, it might be. Like, it would be... It would be right on the cusp. Released in 2015, 5 seems like it would logically be what it was. Yeah, I'm just going to assume, because that's that's uh, that's too new to be to use any other rule set. Yeah, would they wouldn't no want... Sense. Like, you, you, could, you can go back in time for legacy products or when, like, the current edition is firmly enough entrenched. But yeah, like, there's, there's a bunch of D&D games, like, they, <laughs> there's a bunch of them... Uh, like three and a half E games seem to be right when they stop bothering because like KOTOR is based off of a modified three and a half E yeah like and right around then they just sort of stop making games with direct D&D rule sets for like six years and then suddenly like oh right as 4E is dying they just start making them again yeah and then they're also like hey you remember those games based on two here you go have them again yeah here's Baldur's Gate again uh, oh man, that actually reminds me of one of our next questions. Oh, sweet. Well, let's. You know what? Let's just go right to that next question. Let's not even. Okay. Let's not even have a break. <laughs> but uh, these these were sequenced in, and we're going to go through all of them. But since this is the one that dovetails into it, two. At what point do you think old computer RPGs become just well unplayable for modern audiences? I'm looking at important but difficult games to play, like Ultima One here. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Just about every Ultima is unplayable by modern standards. Pretty much. Like, you know, from from Akalabeth up to like Ultima. Eight ish are unplayable because they're so archaic mechanically, and nine is just bad. So, yeah. I mean, they were pretty bad in the back then. Anyway, it's just that there was that was like, like they the were, only they way were to play video games. Yeah, they were never good. It's just that hey, well, how else am I going to play an RPG? By the standard of the time, they were good sure. in the sense that they were sure. innovative and important. But like they've aged. They've aged like uh, milk left in the sun. Yes. Um, like I'm, I'm trying to think. Like 
I've actually played a fair bit of Ultima 1, 2, and 3 just for the historical curiosity. And, like, I think the most interesting thing about them is just that they're so much weirder than anyone could possibly remember. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. Like, Ultima 1 is... Richard Garriott did not want to leave out any of his favorite fantasies. So, like, you know, you're wandering around medieval times and then someone sells you a spaceship, you go into space. <laughs> and you fight aliens with lasers. And it's just like, okay, well done. Um, well, that happened. Yeah, like, an idea that would not be so boldly and brilliantly revisited until Star Ocean 3. Um, like... Frickin' two and three are super weird and basically cut from the same cloth. All of them have weird leveling up systems that don't quite make sense. Like I think that's what makes them really bad and like really unplayable is that, like mechanically, it's like they speak. A, it's like talking to someone who doesn't speak your language. <laughs> like you just like, oh, how do I level up? Well, you go to this guy who lives on an island, and you pay him in experience points. I think that's literally how Ultima 5 works, if I'm remembering correctly. That's, that sounds about right. Uh, Ultima 4 does have the most amazingly dorky opening imaginable, though. Because Ultima 4 has you start at a Ren Fair. <laughs> like, it's it, it, you. Literally, you are walking around a Ren Fair, and then you go into, like, a tarot card tent, and, like, they read your fortune, and you get transported to Britannia to become the avatar of virtue. And it's like people talk about games being wish fulfillment, and it's like, yeah, well, that's uh, that's wish fulfillment writ large. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, that's, that's true for so many of them. There, like, I have a friend who, you know, he really enjoys like, you know, looking at them because they're so quaint and weird, and he is constantly surprised by how old all of them are. Like, I I want to say that like Ultima Seven is from nineteen ninety two. The series was nearly done by then. Like the, like, oh, it is incomprehensibly old. <laughs> and like, I feel like the other problem is that computer RPGs are particularly susceptible to having mechanics that are completely inscrutable because not only were they you know not only are, do they tend to be super old but they also tend to be much more complex, and with complexity there comes a lot of, well, this play, this space hasn't been trailblazed, so here's an, our idea of a mechanic that makes no sense to anyone else, <laughs> and no one ever did again, so it never really became part of the, ling the sort of, like, language of design that surrounds a computer RPG. So you see a lot more evolutionary dead ends hmm. in PC RPGs. I suppose you could probably find someone that still wants to play Wizardry. I don't know. Uh, well, they keep making clones. Yeah, but like, as much as people are like, oh, this is such a throwback to Wizardry, it's like, they are, uh... They're not... Uh, they, there are so many little quality of life changes that have been made since then. Up, like, even just down to, you no longer need to own your own book of graph paper. Yes, that's, that, that's fair. Like, but, but you know, it's just like, I mean, Wizardry 1, 2, and 3 are designed to be played in sequence by people who just think that the previous one wasn't hard enough. <laughs> and Wizardry 4 was for the people who played through all three and decided that that still simply wasn't enough. So it sold to, like, ten people? 
yeah, I've told the Wizardry 4 story, where it was yeah, like, that's yeah. the game where you're playing as the Overlord that's trying to escape the dungeon, and you can't level up, you have to find pentagrams. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrendous. Uh, it has, again, my favorite terrible puzzle ever, which is an unmarked teleporter maze. Oh. That, but no, no, the unmarked teleports are in the middle of a normal of normal walkways, so the game doesn't make it clear that you've moved. But even worse, <laughs> if you draw the map wrong, you don't get the password because the map spells the password. <laughs> I've brought that one up, and I will continue to bring it up until the day I die. It's evil. Um, going beyond that, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna probably get some flack for this. I kind of think Infinity Engine games are only kind of playable. It's they're so unforgiving if you don't already know the AD and D second edition rule set. Yeah, and that's maybe fair. The, maybe that's the fair. enhanced editions fix this. I know that uh, Pillars of Eternity fixed this for me, even though in all real senses it's play it plays like an Infinity Engine game because it's not stri- strict adhering so strictly to those very like mean Dungeons and Dragons rules. Like it it's just feels more approachable, but I mean like between that and the horrendous pathfinding. Yeah. Well I mean like, well, just just the strict D and D rules can be pretty tough just to start off. Like Yeah, you... like it, it's partially because of my instincts as a player. So like my instincts as a player are, oh, there's some party members. Those are interesting. I want to talk to them. Like, Baldur's Gate, I remember first playing it, and I got fairly far into it, but when I first start playing it, it's like, my, this character that I just met, and that I was interested in finding out the backstory of, they just died. And they definitely aren't coming back, because their corpse just exploded. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that might be the evilest thing. Like if, like, if I were to ever truly finish a Baldur's Gate, it would need to in, be because it had been modded to allow me to remove permadeath. Because, uh... Yeah, I mean, you could just load a save, but yeah, that, it's pretty well, brutal. Well, that means replaying the entire fight. Yeah. And, like, they're, they're kind of confusing when you don't know what all of these feats do. They're really confusing fights. Yeah. And, uh... It's especially brutal just starting in Baldur's Gate 1, where you're a level 1 character and you have, like, 5 hit points if you're not a fighter and die easily. Yeah. It can be pretty frustrating. Like, like, the best thing about Baldur's Gate is that you can create a character that can't survive the opening cutscene. <laughs> like, you would have to be suicidal. Like, even if you know nothing about D&D, if you look at what it tells you Constitution does and still allow yourself to go out into the world with three of it, you kind of deserve it. <laughs> but if you go into the opening cutscene with three Constitution, you don't have enough hit points to survive it and you die. That's hilarious. There was also, I think my other favorite thing about the opening was that there was a bug that could happen uh, in the initial release where if where if Garion got like really lucky on critical hits, he could kill the enemies that are supposed to chase you away. <laughs> and the game would just soft lock there. Cause it's like, well, he, his script to leave hasn't activated because his health hasn't gone down enough. And he's not doing anything. He's just sort of sitting there. So, yeah, like, the, the strict adherence to D&D rules hurt both the game and the player. Yep. 
but yeah, like I, I, I'm interested in hearing if anyone knows uh, if the enhanced editions actually made the game a little more newbie friendly because like those games are really hard for me to play. I, I, I don't. I don't think they really make any gameplay changes. I think it's mostly just Well, I, I wasn't saying that they had to make default changes, but if sure. they gave options, I think. Uh, yeah. I don't think so, though, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah. It's like, uh, like I want to play, I want to properly finish the Baldur's Gate quote-unquote trilogy, but they're just, they're, like, they're the tail end of, like, I just cannot take the design decisions made they're yeah. just a little too archaic and it's a pretty cool story so yeah like it's, it's a easy... cool story like what i played of it was a cool story the characters i met were cool i wanted to see that play out but it's just like you know i'm getting pounded in the head every single time <laughs> it's just it's not for me i guess but yeah, there's there's my long-winded uh, discussion of how I can't play old PC RPGs because they're in, unfriendly. <laughs> you got any whales? What's your cutoff date? Um, I'm thinking right around uh, Eye of the Beholder. Oh, the SSI Gold Box stuff. That's a little past the SSI Gold Box. Um, but I think that's about as far back as I can go because that's like a first person, but it's it's a, a bit more forgiving. Well, the first person stuff had a more codified design language to it long yeah. before the uh, third person RPGs did. That one could be a bit brutal too, since it's got like doesn't necessarily have permadeath, but um, you have to get pretty far in to be able to raise anyone from the dead. So if anyone dies early, you are screwed. You basically should just leave them for dead. Um, well, you should basically reload a save, because otherwise you may not even be able to get to the point where you can raise someone from the dead. Wow, I have the Beholder got ported to Game Boy Advance. What the hell? Yeah, and you want to know the weird thing about that? What? They ditched the real-time battles and put in the old gold box style turn-based battles. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, that makes more sense on a portable, but it's still like, why did you bother? It's, yeah, I don't... It's weird. But hey, the Sega CD version had a soundtrack by Yuzo Koshiro. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Four basic characters. Okay, right. yeah, they... Oh, man, that switched to third edition roles as well. I the Beholder? When did this... Switch well, it's a GBA game. The, oh. the GBA version. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Essentially, apparently it just did a gameplay ectomy, rewrote the gameplay, and just kept the plot. Yeah. I've, I have, I believe I have that, and I've played it, and it's weird. Yeah, yeah, like, that's a super, like, one of those super strange Game Boy Advance ports that happen. Like, you ever play Contra the Alien Wars EX? No. They took Contra 3... And the, they decided that, one, no one liked the overhead stages, and two, they were hard to port, so they just replaced them with stages ripped wholesale from Contra Hardcore. <laughs> it's super weird. That's really weird. Yeah, like, Game Boy Advance ports got weird. Okay, uh, that's, that's a sidetrack, though, but, like... Yeah. So, I, the Beholder is about as far back as you're willing to go. That's, like, 1990? Hmm. So it's a bit of 
Yeah, it's a bit, bit older. Oh, I didn't realize that there were sequels directly to Eye of the Beholder. Like, with the name Eye of Beholder, too. Yeah, there's two and three. Yeah. Uh, I know I had them in some, got them in some D&D collection. I should see if those are available on good old games or something like that. That seems like the sort of thing they would have. Get a, a, a digital version of those, because those games are, pre- are pretty decent. I feel like first-person dungeon crawls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in the... They're definitely better than, like, those Dungeon Master games, I'm sure. Are those the, the ones with by Bullfrog? I think so. I just I'm remember... Thinking, I was thinking of the ones where you're, like, the evil Dungeon Master trying to keep your... Oh, no, 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 no. It, it, they're just... Ba- they're, like, the same idea as uh, Eye of the Beholder, that kind of dungeon crawler. Yeah, yeah. But that genre is alive and well too. So I'm like, it's it's also it requires a certain amount of historical curiosity to want to go back to the old ones. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we move on? That to uh, else? that question was text side, by the way. Yeah. And we've got a few more from his from this batch as well. Yeah. Oh no, I the beholder on good old games. It looks like, although it might I'm just be surprised under, actually. It might just be it's under probably... Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I would. Say it's probably something to do with like the Dungeons and Dragons license, but I mean they have Baldur's Gate one and two, and Planescape Torment along with the novels that went with them. Huh. Like when you buy, that's one of the beautiful things about buying on good old games is that when you buy them, they always come with whatever insane ancillary products they can get hold of. <laughs> and for Baldur's Gate one and two and Planescape, that means the novels are included in PDF form. That's weird. And the novels of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 are, who boy, they are bad, but they are <laughs> impressive. But we will move on. Uh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. For- oh, we might Forgotten have Realms, updates. the Archives, Collection 1, looks like it may have... Uh, looks like it has Eye of the Beholder. 1 oh. and 2. But not three. Oh, well, that thir- the third one has a different developer, so that might explain that. Well, there's th- There's actually three of these Forgotten Realms collections, so I'm sure the third one's Oh, it in... might be on one of the other ones, yeah. yeah. The first two are Westwood, and the third one, I have no idea. Yeah, it's got to be in there somewhere. Uh, so they should be available, just probably not individually, which is fine, because those collections You, you are weren't cheap. really interested in buying them individually. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Um, all right, shall we move on to whatever we've got next? Alright, so our next question is kind of similar to some of the stuff we've been talking about. It is... Seems that back in the 16-bit, 32-bit, and PS2 eras, JRPGs were a big reason to have a console, but nowadays there are far fewer console JRPGs, and the ones that are actually made and localized are usually being released on PC Steam. AAA Western RPGs are almost always released on PC, and there's plenty of indie RPGs that are PC-exclusive, and are all roguelikes. 
that added by that added by me. Yeah, I know you added that. <laughs> I've heard people say that like consoles they can sit on the couch play games on their TV, but with a long enough cable, there's absolutely no reason you can't do that with your PC. If you like to play games with the controller, you can have your pick of console controllers. Though is cost the main advantage? The perception some have that gaming PCs are too expensive, or am I missing something else that it still appeals to gamers about consoles? Yes, you are. Next so, question. Like, I, I guess I'll I guess I'll explain since I have a lot of PC games, but I find myself not playing them that much. Uh, for one, for me, if something crashes, I'm basically done playing for the entire night. <laughs> and as much as there have been strides to make PC games less cra- error prone, and as much as there have been tragic strides to make console games more as error prone, um, <laughs> like. I still feel like if I get something that is generally a comparable experience on PC and consoles, I can expect it to crash, like, three times as often on PC. Like, it'll just, like, Windows... Like, some aspect of Windows just encountered an uh, unexpected error or the game crashes. And it's like, when that happens, I'm done. I I don't feel like playing it for the next few days because I'm just pissed off that it stopped. And maybe not even Um, crashing, Windows may just come up with some random notification that closes out the game, or... Or minimizes the game rather. Oh yeah, that's so right. When Windows pleasant. decides it needs to update and yeah. it's gonna close the game. But like, like that that just that rigmarole. The other thing for me is that I have like this this like Pavlovian dislike of futzing with settings, and that's probably mostly to do with playing a lot of poorly optimized games, where it's like, well. I'm well above the maximum settings, but it's still got horrendous V-Sync and constantly chugging. And it's probably because it's not optimized for whatever for my video card, but it's pissing me off, and I'm sick of messing with these settings trying to get it to run at a frame. Like, yeah. It, there's a certain nicety of playing things on a standardized platform where everything's designed to work with the same hardware, and you don't have to worry about messing around with all that just to get something to work properly. And and yes, I'm I'm fully fundamentally aware that that baseline level of graphics that it's going to give me is probably going to be worse than what I could get on a high powered PC. But I don't think the difference is worth it. Yeah. Like my time is much more valuable to me than that. And uh, you're thinking of like a more average consumer; they don't want to mess with any of that at all. And really, uh, people are moving away from PCs. Like, not that they're necessarily going away, but your average consumer is more likely, as far as computing, to use, like, a tablet or just their smartphone than they are to use an actual computer. So, um, uh, it's kind of less of a... Like, the PC I, as a market by itself is becoming niche as it is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It, it, it is, I guess, I guess it would be safer to say... It is less of a given that people have a PC in their uh, in their home at all than it has been since PCs came into vogue. Exactly. Um, but like, you know, moving into the niche of people who play games for me, it's just like I don't like the extra fuss. Even like people, every time I talk about this, people are like, "Well, there isn't an extra fuss," and it's like, yes, there I, I is. Get that it doesn't. That it isn't a fuss. <laughs> for you but it's a fuss for me and like you know it's cool I'm glad you've got a platform that works for you but I guess 
The other side of the coin is that I also have some friends that play on PC, and they're like, whenever I'm like, okay, I picked up the console version, they're like, why didn't you get it on PC? Everything comes to PC, and it's, and then something gets announced that doesn't have a PC announcement, and they're like, why isn't it coming to PC? <laughs> oh, the. Uh, that's a litany I've heard a lot. Or, like, it will come to PC, but it'll be, like, the Final Fantasy thirteen port. <laughs> Which, uh... Given to understand's not great. It's run pretty well for me, but... Yeah. It seems to... It seems to have, like, this, like... I had a friend who was essentially fighting it tooth and nail for about three weeks before essentially giving up on it. <laughs> Because it was like, it was just basically, I can't get it to run above 20 frames per second. Ooh. And 13 twos was apparently worse. Well, that's a blessing in disguise. He likes 13 twos, so it was actually quite a disappointment to him. Oh, um, sorry. He, he was replacing his PS3 copy. <laughs> I hate that game. But, uh, I hate that game. Oh, sorry, this is another topic. Separate topic. Se- separate topic. But yeah, yeah, it's it's just you know, priorities are what priorities are, and my time means a lot to me. Yeah, and, and like as much as consoles don't save me as much time as they used to, although generally they update while I'm not using them rather than while I am, so it's not a major problem. But uh, you know, they still save enough time that I'd really just rather. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's also some other complexities, like having to use diff- different storefronts, things like that. Like, oh, I want to play Titanfall. I generally use Steam. I can't get that on Steam. i got to get on from Origin. Uh, oh, the joys of fractured... Uh, yeah. And, you know, you get issues like, okay, I want to play this game with a controller. Having issues with the driver on my PC, whereas on the console... You turn on the yeah, controller like you, you and you're good to go. You pick it up for the console whose controller you actually like. Yeah. As opposed to trying to figure out which controller the PC version was actually like set up to be able to work with. Yeah, I feel like this is almost like the classic argument of like an operating system like Windows or Mac OS versus like a pure Linux thing. Like, yes, it the Linux technically can is probably the better option because there's so much better things you can do with it, but the effort, man. The effort. <laughs> and the complexity. And, you know... You know... Uh, just, yeah. Steam gift. <laughs> maybe Speaking it's, of... Maybe it's Mugen Souls. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really not that simple, and it sounds. Uh, this is from DVD, by the way. It sounds like PC is your jam, which is fine, but it's not everyone's. And I understand it can be kind of hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, but yeah, it's not as easy for everyone else, and some people like the simplicity. When in a lot of cases, some people just have friends that play in console, and that's what they want to do. You know, it's. It's it's really a whole. It's really all about preference, and that's why it's good that we have both. So yeah, different strokes for different spo- folks, basically. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on? Sure.
So our next question is, um, yeah, you're going to know the main answer right away. What development studio has the most blood on its hand for producing bad games? I want to hear tales of tragedy and sorrow. Can't you just go listen to the backtrack about Idea Factory? Do we have to... Yeah, didn't you guys just do that? Did that go up yet? Yeah, that's up. And it, it was... Depressing. Like Idea Factory, Compile Heart, that weird incestuous slurry of developers have made a lot of very bad, very low-budget RPGs. Yeah, I'm gonna bring up another one though. Let's do something different. I just gotta. I feel yeah. I, I kind of want to move into like the ones, the unsung heroes of garbage. <laughs> the unsung heroes of garbage. <laughs> like they they exist, but I feel like a lot of them are kind of dead. Yeah. Because it's just like you know, no one like you know, no one was buying them. They just died. I mean, like no one remembers who made frickin' uh, oh, what do you even call it? Like they, no one remembers who made like Dragon Seeds or Battle Chaser. Wait a minute, Battle Chaser actually had fans. Um, uh. No, wait, I think I'm thinking of a different thing. There were lot. There's a lot of really bad. Like ten dollar RPGs on the PS One right as it was dying. Um, well, speaking of yeah, like speaking of tears, I'm thinking of tears to TR two and whatever that that porn developer's well, name is. Made by porn. Um, like that was made by a porn company. Um, I almost feel bad bringing that up because the actual gameplay is made by a good developer and is pretty good. But super Sting. Yeah. No, 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 no. That wasn't that. That wasn't Super Sting because Super Sting is Sting and Idea Factory. Uh, oh, I, oh. So it was merely regular Sting. Yes, exactly. But yeah, I'm trying to. Aqua Plus. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, under their brand Leaf, which produces adult games. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's it's the porn developer. Yeah. But yeah, that was the game Tears Tier Two that uh, was a great cure for insomnia. But uh, I, I like I'm trying to think like I. I, I'm a little more curative of what I play nowadays, like, just in terms of, like, I won't, like, there aren't quite, like, the old consoles haven't quite died enough to the point where I can just load up on really bad games. <laughs> so it's like, I, I can't, I don't have quite the breadth of knowledge of PS3 and 360 bad RPGs that I do. Like, like even thing, even companies we respect now, like from software used to be a titan of this category. Oh yes, um, they made multiple awful RPGs Enchanted for the Arms. PS launch. You remember Enchanted Arms? 
Like, I'm not even talking Enchanted Arms. I'm yeah. talking, like, Eternal Ring and Evergrace. <laughs> like, Evergrace is so bad. Like, it's it's so terrible. From top to bottom. It, it was it was kind of ugly at the time. It Like, this is a strange complaint I'm going to bring up, but it, it becomes an issue very early on. Uh, it has terrible edge gravity. Hmm. So, like... One of the first things I did was I sort of walked up to the edge of the world to, trying to sort of see if there was anything out there or if there was anything below it. I just slipped right off and game over it instantly, like three minutes into the game. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of venom in me for Evergrace because that was the first PS2 game I owned. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, Age Tech also used to be a titan of publishing this kind of thing. They, uh, they did PS2 launch action RPG Orphan Scion of Sorcery, which is based on a manga and or light novel series that no one in America cares about but it's really bad um like but from software used to pump this nonsense out and like I know there's a, there's a renewed appreciation for like Kingsfield that I don't understand but you know keep on trucking um but like uh like I remember playing like Shadow Tower when it was new and it was just this slow plodding incomprehensible mess. <laughs> like that was that, like that was the the game that was too experimental to be a Kingsfield game basically. Wow. Cuz it was like, oh, what if we threw out experience points? It was yeah, it's it's bad. From uh... software used to be a titan of making awful things. Um like specifically in the realm of RPGs. Um, yeah, I wonder if just they didn't have the quite the technology to make the type of games they wanted to make. Well, because... the thing is that, like, you know, as much as you you talk about, like, how, you know, Demon's Souls and the Souls series as a whole are, like, the the spiritual successor to, uh, to Kingsfield, they really don't play much like them. Like, they're both action RPGs, but, like, Kingsfield is very deliberately plotting. Like, and I don't even, I'm trying not to be insulting, because I know those games have fans, and I do kind of understand what they're going for. Like, when action happens in Kingsfield, it's very weighty, and, you know, that's true of Dark Souls as well. But it's also something you're very accustomed to, because your character is very good at dealing with action. Yeah. Your character in Kingsfield is not really built to deal with action, and the action scenarios around it are designed around that. They're much more exploratory than they are, like... They, they feel like you're sort of going through a cave, and occasionally you'll find, like, a bat. And that bat is terrifying, because you can't hit it at all. But, uh... But, like, that bat is excitement, because, like, oh, crap, there's a bat. I can't get rid of that bat. Uh, <laughs> and again, I'm trying not to be insulting. Like, this is just, you know... It's it's a very measured pace, a very measured experience, and as much as Demons and Dark Souls and Bloodborne's combat all feels weighty, it's also even Demon Souls, which was the slowest of those games, is worlds faster than anything in Kingsfield. Yeah, they're they're very slow, very measured games. So you know, kind of kind of hard to. Yeah, like, From Software used to make a lot of games like that, and, yeah. like, it took me a while, like, oh, man, I didn't even touch on Evergrace 2, 
which like H Tech knew wasn't going to sell in America, but they published it anyway, and that's why they didn't call it Ever Grace Two. They renamed it to Forever Kingdom. And like Forever Kingdom is amazing because it combines the worst aspects of a party RPG and a uh, like single player, single character action RPG. Because you have three characters that share one health bar. Oh no! <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's magical. Um, but yeah, From Software used to make games that I could not appreciate, and now they make games I can appreciate. So I appreciate this uh, movement. Um, I'm trying to think of like companies that really made this their thing. Kimco. Ten? Huh? Kimco. Maybe you're not familiar with them. I've. I'm thinking of Tamsoft and Techmo, not Temco. Uh, they make a. Uh, they make a bunch of like mediocre RPGs digitally on like 3DS and uh, Wii U even and iPhone. I don't know this all. How is this spelled? I think it's just K E K. Oh, Kemco. Yeah, K E M C O. I think. I, I thought you were saying Tech. Uh, Temco, and oh, I was like, no, no, that's no, no, no. not... No, Kemco's that. Oh, man, yeah, they were a titan of that. Oh, man, I should tell you about the time I rented Batman Dark Tomorrow. <laughs> oh, they're still around, though. Yeah, no, they, they never died. <laughs> uh, they just stopped working in spaces I cared about. I, I don't really play a lot of iOS games that are unique to iOS. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of but uh, like, digital-only 3DS titles, I assume. Yeah, I think a lot of those are ported from their iOS games, so. though. Um, yep, they are. But yeah, Kemco, like, they, they are, like, one of the OGs of producing a lot of weird, bad, low-budget games. And, like, I, I need to tell you about the time that I, like, rented Batman Dark Tomorrow, because, hey, I like Batman, and, you know, the story I heard about, like, the, the idea behind the story sounds neat. And then, like, I play it, and it's the worst garbage I've ever played. <laughs> and then, like, two days later, there's a, uh, there's a new EGM, and, it causes, and it's a game that's so bad, they introduce the Shame of the Month award just to deal with it. <laughs> All right, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it, it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, but yeah, Camco used to do a lot of that. I don't think they... They used to not really work in the RPG space. Like, Chemco is weird, because, like, way, way back in the NES days, they did a lot of, uh... They did a lot of ports of, like, Western games to the Famicom. It's very really? strange. Yeah. This, this reminds me, I will make a brief aside, because there was a question asking Gaijin to go into detail about the FDS, and I didn't put it on here, mostly because Gaijin's not here, but, like... I, I could lecture at length about what the Famicom disk system was and how it worked. Yeah, we should wait for it till we have him on again, though, because I'm sure he has a lot to say. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense down there. I'll leave with the preview of in in Japan, Castlevania Two had loading times that were like <laughs> minutes long. <laughs> what? That's horrifying. Yeah, because in in Japan, uh, Dracula Two. Uh, and what is it like Simon Nofuin or something uh, is an FDS game and so you can save so that's neat because like they, they were written on like rewritable floppy disks but you like they had access pauses they had to load to access the disk and it loaded every time you left a town 
And so the, the canonical example of the bad experience you were going to have with Castlevania 2 in Japan was you would walk out of town, it would load, it would sit there loading for like 30 seconds, then an enemy would whack you and the knockback would send you flying back into town where it would have to load again. <laughs> and then if you wanted to leave town again, you had to let it load again. Oh, oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it was not a good experience for anyone involved. Um, but yeah, there's a brief taster. We'll try to get Gaijin on to answer that question because I really... The history of the FDS is fascinating, and I do, I've do i done a fair bit of secondhand research, and maybe he knows a bit more about it. Yeah. All but right. yeah, let's uh, run this question dry. Yeah. Let's move on. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Alright, so our next question is uh, from Budai, and it is What do you think of level grinding, and in what cases is it tolerable, tolerable or fun versus a chore? Uh, which is relevant to a game I'm trying to review at the moment. Oh, I think man. it's like a balancing act, really. Yeah, a little bit. Like, the simple fact of the matter is a lot of RPGs are padded, right? I mean, they're supposed to like last 70 hours, something like that, right? Yeah, it became the paradigm at some point that RPGs yeah, like, are long. It's, it's not a good paradigm. I don't, think, I don't think you can point to the game and say, this game lasts 70 hours, that must mean it is good, or that there's 70 hours re- value it- in it. It's a really good paradigm when you're 12 and you can't buy new games very often. I suppose that works, yeah. But the simple thing back to the matter is sometimes level grinding and like the mindless part of gameplay isn't bad. It's comfort yeah. food. It's just, you know, you're sitting down, you got the TV on, watching, I don't know, Aqua Teen or whatever, and just like sort of with your DS in your lap, just sort of running around the map, getting the levels so you can kill the boss later. It's, it's not always a terrible thing to like have grindy mindless bits in games sometimes that's what you want to do entertainment pacing needs peaks and valleys and yeah exactly grinding can be a good valley for that yeah um that said i don't really like it when games require you to grind like like if i can kill every enemy that is uh okay i ran into this a lot back back when i did the crystallis let's play family remember that one god yeah i do yeah, that was awful. <laughs> but part of the reason it was awful, the, G- the Game Boy Color version is the worst thing ever. Original stuff, yeah. <laughs> but the Game Boy Color version is an abomination unto man and God. But anyways, the um, thing about Crystallis was I killed every enemy that came across my path, and then it was physically impossible for me to kill the boss even having killed every enemy on my path. It's fine to want to be like overpowered, but when you're not able to like do something in the normal course of gameplay and your only recourse is to go back and do the same repetitive task again and again and again simply to advance, then something's gone terribly wrong. Yeah. Like grinding should yeah. result in you feeling awesome, feeling way stronger than everything else, not be the bare minimum to accomplish anything. Yeah, I, I guess think, I guess that's my stance on the whole thing. Yeah, I think the disguise series kind of did it did this pretty well. Where yeah, you'd hit some roadblocks, but the ways and 
weird, crazy options you had for grinding and the absurd power levels you can get uh, kind of made up for it and just made part, that... Part of the reason it worked in Disgaea was that you had, like, for for an average player, for the most part, the fact that there were four digits in the level cap didn't come up. Yes. But hey, if you wanted to get super powerful, uh, yeah, go for it. I refuse to get Disgaea powerful. because I saw the box and was like, no. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not house. to your taste. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, like I would, I'm sure people have said, oh, it's a really great game. I'm sure they're not lying. But I enjoy it. No. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can, you can You're make... not actually sorry, but. Yeah, I'm not actually sorry. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's. There's a there's a lot of things that grinding can do, and it's it's also like, it it depends upon the sort of expectation and pace that the game sets. Yeah. The 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 third circumstance for this would also be that. Uh, it also like, depends a lot on the battle system. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No battle system. Like, how much do I actually want to sit through your combat? Um, <laughs> When I play Devil May Cry 3, I am uh, maxed out every single style because I found one of the challenge rooms where the goal was to stay on the ground for, uh, stay off the ground for 10 seconds straight. You had to jump from enemy head to enemy head. It's wonderful. But I found out that the enemies endlessly respawned when you weren't jumping on their heads. So I just sat on the middle of the floor and killed enemies for like an hour, and I fucking love the battle system of that game, so it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good, pretty good. Um... But yeah, like people will sit through, like you know, you get games that are really just an excuse to reconfigure the battle system in many different ways because, well, that's the appeal. So grinding in those games is just like grinding isn't the padding between the bits of gameplay you care about. Grinding is the bits of gameplay you care about. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's that's what Disgaea did so great until the current game I'm playing. Uh, Won't be naming names. Uh, you know, maybe the fifth uh, named entry in the series. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Numbered. Disgaea 5, Return to Disgaea. I yes. remember that one. <laughs> uh, but Disgaea Dimension 2 was Return to Disgaea. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm gonna, I don't want to spoil it, but really they should have left Mike dead. That Bringing him back via a time machine, totally contrived. I didn't like it. <laughs> Mike Disgaea. Yeah, Mike Disgaea. Look, look, look. Mike, this guy had a good character art, but it ended with his death. We don't need him back. I disagree. Write your congress. Totally disagree. Write your congress. Yeah, write your congress. Well, then. Um, Mike, this guy should have remained dead. What? What was this? Where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, We're going on a... Yeah. So, just... So, grinding in Destaya was is pretty cool, because the level designs in the series past have been pretty cool. Like, like it throws throws all kinds of crazy nonsense at you. And the fifth entry is kind of throws that all out the door. So Review out, TBD. Yes. So <laughs> levels are pretty uh, bland and boring. And yeah, grinding, not so much fun. Uh, it's, it's a shame. I'm still looking forward to getting around to it, but it's 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 still worth it. At the end of the day, it's a good game. It's just it it could have been so much more. So I gotta ask about this guy. Fied. Sure. Did, uh, did Mike and Jake ever finally confess their true feelings for each other? This is important to me. Uh, they did not. 
Ah, sorry. Sad. They brought him back for nothing. Yep. Then they blew it. They blew it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, grinding it's appropriate where uh, in certain cases. But be careful about making me kill more than everything, everything in the room more than once. Yes. Uh, all right. So I'm just going to jump into another question because it's a small one. And that sure, is, man. would a slime and chocobo team up, beat 'em up crossover game be awesome or bad? And that's from TechSide. I, so, I would play that. Yeah, so basically a Final Fantasy slash Dragon Quest cartoony type crossover beat 'em up game. I'm imagining a game that plays like uh, Dungeons and Dragons Shadows, Shadow of Mystera. Yes. I'm imagining that would be a game amazing. that plays like Double Dragon Neon. Yeah, that would also work. Up to and including the high fives. Yes. Like also, a art style ripped straight from Jet Set Radio. You, know what? you just want every art style to be Jet Set Radio, though. That would actually be kind of cute. That would be um, awesome. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Screw, screw all that. I want to beat them up uh, styled after like some 3D Dreamcast beat Dreamcast beat em ups. Uh, you just want another zombie revenge. No, I can't remember the name of this game. What was the Played that it at, was the played uh, it at PAX. Cannon Spike. Cannon Spike. Uh, you mean Osman? No. No, I mean Cannon Spike. Cannon Am I mixed Spike. up? I'm mixed up. <laughs> no, I think those are the same game as the Oh, thing. never mind then. Uh, no, I might be mistaking. No, Cannon Spike's different. Osman. Osman has another weird name. Uh, what is Osman's weird name? Uh, I gotta find this because uh, uh, Osman <laughs> plays like uh, uh, Strider, a uh, cannon dancer. That explains it. Uh, people yeah, have no people have like... no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> no idea. At all. We're, ta- we're talking about really weird, deep cut, late era arcade games. So. I gotta be honest. I missed the question because I had to mute my mic for a second. I don't even know what we're talking about. We are talking about. The potential for a Final Fantasy Dragon Quest crossover beat 'em up. Yeah. Uh, so, main, yeah. Mainly starring like the mascot characters, so the slime. Yeah, and the a chocobo. chocobo and a slime. Yeah. Like I said, bring in the double dragon neon like uh, high fiving system. Yeah, that would be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd be good. Except the slime has no hands. Yeah, and? <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, that would stop him. All right. Yeah. It doesn't have hands. It didn't stop him from like doing any of the other cool stuff he did. That's true. Uh, slimes are great. Um. But yeah, like, you know, I, I would purchase that. That is for an audience of me. Well, maybe like a and Guardian Heroes type game. Guardian Heroes. Since oh, that that was that Guardian Heroes. I can't remember. That's Guardian. the Treasure Sega Saturn slash Xbox Live Arcade beat 'em up. All right, red. You've never it played had... that. I've not Dude. played that one. I'm, I feel bad. I feel bad, but I have. That is absolutely. Wait, no, I have time. played Guardian Heroes. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, it's got a lot of branching paths, which is yeah. really neat, and yeah, RPG cool. stuff. Jazzy soundtrack. Good, I don't know why I forgot it. I'm an idiot. So it's a very like it was very strange that Treasured like ported half of their Sega Saturn games to Xbox 360 and nothing else. Um, the the criteria for what gets like brought into the new world of downloadable stuff is arbitrary and random at best. I'm still holding out hope for Skies of Arcadia. 
Yeah, I can't believe that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, seriously, man. Like, every year I'm sure that that has to happen eventually, and then it just keeps not happening. Uh, eventually, uh, but no, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> not on a, not on a extremely legitimate and not at all encouraging bad behavior uh, podcast. Yeah. Are we going to mention piracy? No, no. You're God. not going to be a sky pirate that way, are you? Wow, wow. Vice would not approve. Well, he would. Blue pirate, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's just... Uh, I, I really want that to come to further consoles because not enough people played it. It's really yeah, good. It's I haven't good. played it yet. I'm, I'm so like angry it. at you. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw that out there. I haven't played it. You've, you've owned it for forever, and you keep like, oh, I'll play it on a rainy day. The, the rainy day is never going to come. Just play it. Rainy day will come, but you know when I have less awesome things like Xenoblade Chronicles X to play. Oh, I'm so excited to get my copy of that. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's been sitting in Illinois the entire day. Just what? sort of doing nothing. I, I ordered a copy of Xenoblade Chronicles X, and is, I've been... Okay. Huh? What is... Uh, go on, sorry. Uh, and it has been... Like, it it, it uh, arrived in Hodgkins, Illinois, yes. at 6 a.m. today. As of approximately three minutes ago, it just left. It's weird. Yeah, they're going to reroute it through Bermuda. You should probably make sure it hasn't been opened and, like, someone wasn't playing it all day. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> How could you accuse our fine postal service of such treachery? You, sir, are bad. But yeah, no. To, to answer your question, uh, for, for those who have not heard, Xenoblade Chronicles X is the new Wii U open-world RPG from Monolith Soft and Nintendo. Oh, neato. Yeah. I'll check that out sometime. You no, should. It's very pretty and allows you to pilot giant robots, so it has everything you like those things. Yeah, and but it's, moving on. It's not, right, yeah. it's not one of those Japanese RPGs that's like, hey, here's a narrow path. It's like, hey, go explore or something. Here's something like two to three times the size of the Fallout. Yeah, just like, um, it's pretty open, just like that Legend of Legacy game. Uh, now okay. available on your Nintendo 3DS. This is the advertising segment of the <laughs> show that we, for some, like, we don't get paid for this, so I don't quite know why we do it. We do. Yeah, um, we, we like to share what we like. Yeah. Encourage so, other people to give them a try. I just, I just appreciate the fact that we both e- adopt like these, uh, these advertisement uh, style voices for it. <laughs> and if you liked that, check out Shinobi 3DS. Ah, that's a quality game, and also I love super cheap. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. All right, we have other questions we should probably answer, so let's answer those. Yeah, yeah let's, let's right, move on. question is um I should probably wait until I actually see the question. Do we have any questions left? You just removed it. Oh no! I have a question. No I don't. That was a lie. 
no. No. Oh no. Let me go. Let me go look at the master list. I have, I have destroyed our Google Doc. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what have you done? I don't even know. Okay, how I, did that. I will. I can find it again. I know where it was initially sourced. You guys talk amongst yourselves while no, I do this. No, uh, we're not recording right now, right? No, we're totally. This is all being recorded. Okay, so I we're should read live. these DMX lyrics. Um, as, do as, that. as long as you bleep the swears, yes. <laughs> well, that's that, what's even the point. <laughs> there's not much. There's not much to Dark Man X that doesn't involve swearing. Yeah, like I mean, seriously, man. Like, like you may as well just like, just like, just say no. I mean, don't like get my hopes up and then come crashing them down. I mean, damn, dude, that's cold. Man, Google Docs has such a short. Like, uh, history. This is terrible. Purchased, I have reached an maximum number of purchased bundles per hour. <laughs> I cannot purchase another bundle. Uh. It's a little terrifying that there's a maximum number of purchasable bundles. <laughs> like, you just got like 50 games for like less than 10 bucks. <laughs> but I really want this last bundle. It's got a skeleton in it wearing cool sunglasses. <laughs> well, you just have to make sure you do it next hour. Uh, oh, uh, oh yeah, it was it was okay. We had two more questions that were both related, so I was going to put them in. They're both from Tech Side. What's your favorite of the Ogre Battle series? I'm going to include uh, Tactics Ogre in this. Well, then that uh, would that would be my answer, and that and that yeah, would be Tactics Ogre, March of the Black Queen, uh, would... Wheel of Fortune, the PSP edition. Yeah, absolutely the remake. Absolutely the remake. David and Goliath. I thought that was a really good one. <laughs> Not quite the same thing. It's an ogre. Oh, wait, uh, ogre. I'm sorry, I'm talking giants. Um, definitely Shrek. Definitely Shrek. Dang it. Shrek 3. In punishment, in punishment for this, you have to go play Shrek Fairy Tale Freak Down. Um, uh, no, which, which one was Shrek 3? I Shrek think it was third. called Shrek the Third, and I saw it on a very obviously pirated DVD in a, a bed and breakfast in New Zealand, and I didn't even make any of that up. <laughs> Was that was well, that, um, was that the one where he, watched... he like goes back in time and doesn't marry what's her name and then clearly I, do not I have a full comprehension 4. of the incredible Shrek timeline. No, that's Shrek four. Yes, I actually know this. <laughs> so which God, one was Shrek three? Shrek, Shrek three is 3. the one where he has to go find like a kid to like take over the kingdom so he doesn't have to. Uh, was that it? I don't I even that, remember, I thought man. that was two. No, no, that I've, wasn't I've two. read the plot synopsis once. I've never seen this. <laughs> I saw it, but, like, I don't even remember it. There was there was nothing happening at that. But, yeah, in that's my favorite ca- ogre battle. Because it had an ogre that battled, presumably. In any case, it's not scared Shrekless, so... Still can't believe they named it that. All right, what's yeah, the second question? But, yeah, ogre battle, battle March of the Black Queen, uh, Wheel of Fortune. And what makes Matsunoda's games stand out among the many other uh, tactical RPGs? Um, The writing? uh, Yasumi Matsuno is the director of Tactics Ogre, Final Fantasy Tactics, Vagrant Story, and Final Fantasy XII, as well as a handful of other things. He wrote Mad World. He did did Crimson Shroud for the 3DS, which is a very tabletop RPG-inspired thing. He hasn't done much in the past few years. Uh, FF12 seems to have kind of broken him. Um, yeah, Crimson Shroud is kind of like Unlimited Saga um, had it been made properly. Had it been made with the <laughs> understanding of what it was from the beginning. Yes. But, uh, like, 
I feel like Matsuno has a very distinctive thumbprint on the games that he writes. Uh, but even beyond, like even beyond the fact that they're all they all have Queen references all over them. Yes. <laughs> like Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen tactics. Ogre let us cling together. Uh, like those. Uh, those are pretty obvious. But I mean, like. He has certain predilections for like slightly more nation versus nation than person versus person stories that mm. uh, tend to find their homes in strategy RPGs, and in in reverse have also like he's also sort of defined what people think of when they think of what's a strategy RPG story. Yeah, I think his stories often go for shades of gray instead of clear good and evil. Like the the beginning of Tactics Ogre has a pretty effed up choice. Uh, and the game bifurcates. What's that? And then the game bifurcates. Yes. Bifurcates. Cuts into uh, two. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. And so, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Oh, that choice so effed up. Is it? Do you He's eat a- the baby? Or do you feed the baby to uh, an alligator? So, spoilers for anyone who hasn't played this. The choice spoiler for the beginning. <laughs> yes, spoiler. The choice is basically um, murder everyone in a village and blame it on the enemy nation to galvanize the country against them, or don't do that and basically hamper the rebellion you're a part of. Yeah, you essentially you essentially kind of doom the rebellion itself. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, it literally starts off with a false flag attack. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, if you choose to do that, yes. You, you can create such a situation. Yes. You well, have now that. I know where the um, um, loose change guy got his ideas from. <laughs> hate that guy. Uh, All right, what's the next question? But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Matsuno has a very uh, distinctive style to his games, and... Like, it, it sort of bleeds through even when you wouldn't necessarily have known beforehand that it was his. Like, even when the games aren't even that similar, like, Vagrant Story and FF Tactics, even before, it, like, Vagrant Story makes it clear that it takes place in Ivalice, you can kind of tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, uh, that's probably what makes Matsuno's games stand out so much. You can sort of see the authorial thumbprint on them. But that's it, and we are out of questions, actually. We are. Hey, guest, would you like to ask us a, que- a question? Yes. Oh, no. Yes, I would. Fire if away. If to choose between killing Eris and killing Red 13, which would you kill? Wow. Well, Eris was already doomed. No, 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 no. You ever read the um, uh, FF7 Blaze Twitter account? <laughs> oh, I have, yeah. I'm yeah, scared. It's, it's amazing, dude. Like, it's, it's literally It's exactly just, what it sounds like. It's literally the entire plot of Final Fantasy VII, only every single character is high the entire time, start to end. And also, Eris just doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, Eris just doesn't die. Like, at one point, they're like, she's like, I gotta summon this thing. And Cloud's like, yeah, but you probably already summoned it. Like, she's yeah, like, yeah, I guess I probably did whatever. And they just leave. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, on the one hand, 
that Red 13, there's a lot less of the Cosmo Canyon theme. That's really important to me. What's, yeah. What's wrong with that theme? Which I'm going to... No, I love it. Which I'm, I love Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, so good, I'm saying good, like, good, if the good. game presented a moral choice, like right, right when Eris died, where you could either like save Eris, but at the cost of the talking dog, would you kill the talking dog for the girl everybody likes? Hmm. No. I feel like I would be creating some sort of divergent timeline. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that given this 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 strange alternate history, would you? be willing to sacrifice the awesome talking dog for the flower girl. That does remind me actually of the fact that uh, when FF7 was first conceptualized, Eris was not the character that was going to die. Who was the one character that was going to die? Barrett. Really? Uh... Like, essentially the way that uh, the way that these uh, writers told it, they, w- they knew that at least one character was going to end up dead. Like you know, right. that, was, that was becoming a thing, so they but knew they felt like one of them. Yeah, and they said, and like, "Let's kill the black guy." That's really it really wasn't, impressive, guys. It wasn't so much that, <laughs> so much as their thought process was that the tough guy dying has sends a certain signal. Okay. And the, the idea tough guy is that, Sid. <laughs> Sid wasn't even in the draft at this point. Like, like this was really early. <laughs> Like, this was really early before half of the characters had even been completely conceptualized. So Sid wasn't okay. in the draft yet. Uh, but, like, essentially, of the characters that they had already fully formed and conceptualized, they knew that it was, you know, like, the the plan was Barrett, and then, like, Sakaguchi was like, we've killed the characters before, and they're always the tough guy. Like, they're always the sort of person that you could kind of see dying because they would put themselves in harm's way. Whereas, like... Eris was chosen to die by virtue of the fact that her death was senseless, and she was not the sort of character to put herself unduly in harm's way. Right. That was the point. It was, yeah. uh, that's what made it surprising the first time you saw it. Yeah. And so that was kind of like the, the reason that Eris dies and not, uh, you know, someone else. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I thought I would fill out this question with that bit of trivia. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, FF7. I'm excited for the remake. I'm not. I kind of no. am, but I really want it to like be bad in one way or another. I don't want it to be good. I want it to be a bad remake, but I want it to be an incredible bad remake. You know what I mean? I expect it to be a good remake. Like, I'm sorry. like I want like that, that like the thing I said about how I want them just to use like the super realistic Advent Children models and then just act out the exact same actions from FF7 with them all just waving their hands in the air and, like, Barrett's ridiculous uh, fist-pound animation where he basically just angles his body, like, at a 90-degree angle back and forth. Isn't that the entirety of the uh, squatting animation as well? Yes, yes, I want every one of those things. (laughs) They actually, like, they do seem committed to keeping squatting as being a strange FF7 universe thing. (laughs) Because if you play... If you ever play Crisis Core, that is what Zack is doing every time that he has nothing else to be doing. 100 push-ups, 100 squats, 100 sit-ups, 10k run every single day. Yes, yes, one punch, man. Um, but, yeah, like, like they, there are definitely things that are ridiculous that Nomura seems committed to keeping anyway. Yeah. Because people immediately interrogated him about 
Uh, well, one, you know, squatting is already, like, Zach's thing. So it will, by extension, also be Cloud's thing. But also, uh, people immediately interrogated him, will the cross-dressing scene be in there? And he's like, some things do need to stay because of tradition. Oh, obviously. So, yeah. No, it's not FF7 good. unless you can dress Cloud up like a pretty, pretty princess and then try and uh, have him hit on a weird old old, old man hornball. Yeah, Don Corneo was a uh, That's was the a very core of FF7. That and the side quest where, like, he kidnapped both, uh, both, where they were all on vacation, and he kidnapped both Yuffie and, what's her face, the other girl, Elena? Yeah. I think it was Elena? It was Elena. And, like, uh, at the very end, Reno and Rude are just sort of, like, sitting there, like, hanging oh, out, yeah. like, just sitting, like, next to Cloud, and Cloud's like, so, should we fight? And they're just like, yeah, we're on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the best the best thing about the uh, Turks is that if you do the side quest that involves them in Wutai, they just sort of decide they don't really care about fighting you anymore at the end of the game. Like they're like, oh yeah, that we... was that was one of my favorite bits where like uh, like did they just have the option? Hey, we guys gonna fight or what? And I just said no, and they're like, oh okay, later, man. It's cool. Yeah, peace out. <laughs> we don't got it. The, Turks, the like... Turks are so far past caring about whatever Shinra's gold is by that point. Yeah. I'd say my, the Turks are... I know this is, it makes me awful, but the Turks are probably my favorite part of Final Fantasy VII. No, that's not wrong. Like, like they knew that the Turks were popular. That's why there was a cell phone game that was all about being a Turk. Ah, well, it's gross. Ugh, way to ruin a square. Back when it was... Back when cell phone games were novel, because this was in 2005. Wow. That was before the iPhone, actually. Holy crap. That is, like, four years before the iPhone. That is way before the iPhone. What would even be a cell phone game back then? I shuddered at that. Think. Was, uh, that was made for Japanese flip phones. God damn. You can get you can get some unpleasant things. Like there's some early uh, there's some flip phone Final Fantasy games that are uh, magically bad, like Dirge of Cerberus Lost Chapter. Uh, like um Just like still Final a third person shooter. No, FF7 snowboarding is magical. <laughs> Dirt of Cerberus uh, Lost Chapter is still a third-person shooter, but it's on your flip phone. Whoa. Man, flip phone. I just, I just, I'm just, like, blown away by the very concept. Yeah, wow. it's, uh, it's as bad as that sounds. But let's, sounds let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this up. <laughs> okay. So, if you have any questions, uh, in this case, we want your best and worst of 2015 lists. Uh, Send so them all to BeatsTwitter at Twitter.com. Oh, no. uh, the oh, wonderful no. website, Twitter.com. I will answer all of your questions for you. Oh, no. You should do that for the hilarity, but you should also send them to me... So that we can have a podcast. Yes, at wheels at rpgamer.com. You can tweet us at uh, AskWheels and FanboyMaster... And uh, you can post on the forums, um, uh, whatever. At ask, if you actually use ask.fm, I'm sure you can find mine. Uh, also, special thanks to our returning guest, Beat. Hi. I just started messaging Fanboy in the middle. I didn't even realize he was recording a podcast. He was like, I'm doing it like a recording. And I'm like, cool, add me. And he was like, what? No. And I'm like, yes. And then he was like, fine. And now I'm here. It's a good world. I feel like this conversation went a little differently in my Skype window. <laughs> Whatever, man. You just don't get it. Well, the listeners don't know that. So they're just going to have to go with Beat's version of the story. 
Uh, I guess I, I guess you've got too much against me. I can't make it uh, <laughs> on my side. Uh, but good night, gentle listeners. Yes, peace out. Love you all. Like that.